Glory to God. We have been in this series, Christian Living, for a few weeks now, and we've learned a few things, I hope, glory to God. And one of the things that I believe that we should have learned already, that we should have grasped in totality, is that Christian living begins with a radical response to the truth. Being a Christian, it doesn't start until you have radically responded to the truth. We talked about the kingdom of heaven suffering violence and the violent taking it by force. And when you and I hear the word of God, we begin to live as Christians when we violently grasp that word and we say, God, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to run to you, not away from you. Hallelujah. And so we come to this radical place of response, and I said that the most radical behavior that anyone can do is repentance because it is totally turning away from everything that's comfortable. It is turning away from everything that you have known. It is turning away from everything that you have ever seen, experienced. It, it, it's you turning away totally and saying, you know what, I, I don't want to deal with any of this anymore. I want to walk with God. That's, that's a radical response to the truth, to say that, you know what, the way that I've been living isn't right. The way that I've been doing things is not the right way. The way that I have been accustomed to doing stuff is not the way that God wants it. Therefore, I need to continue forward with him. Amen, somebody. That is the radical response that we're talking about when we deal with Christian living. We as Christians, and I prayed this and I believe this, and I want you to keep this always in your mind. As Christians, we must be doers of the word, not simply hearers of the word. So for you that are sitting here today, it is important for you that you don't just listen to the message, that you don't just listen to what I'm saying, but that you consider how am I going to apply, how am I going to live out the truth that I'm about to hear? Because if you leave here not doing that, then you know what? You just wasted the last two hours or three hours of your life. Hello, somebody. Amen. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I don't know about you, but I don't like to waste time. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I don't like to spend time. No, no, I don't like to do that. And so if you want to have spent this time correctly, then you need to be a doer of the word. You need to be one who says, God, what do you want me to do with what you're speaking? How do you want me to live this out? As we seize the kingdom daily, the way that we do this is through prayer, our personal prayer lives, through our personal time of Bible study, and through a passionate pursuit to please the Lord in everything, there's something that should be happening, church, and it is that there there should be an evident, say evident, progress in our lives. And I, I, I know that we've been taught, and there is, there is some truth, like this much truth to the statement I'm about to say. You know, you, you don't need to worry about what no one else thinks. Some truth, a little bit of truth there, okay? But it's important for you, and the reason why I say there's some truth is because you don't need to live for anybody else. That's why there's some truth in that. You don't need to be living for anybody else. But you and I do need to be concerned with what other folks think about us. Hello, somebody. Because if people are saying that we are just not, you know, we're not reflecting Christ, there's a problem. Hello. If people are speaking and, 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 and saying, I don't see no Christian in this person. I, I don't see any, any godly life in them. There's an issue with that. You should be concerned about what people see in you. You should be concerned that people are seeing Christ in you. You're not living to please them. That's not what I'm saying. But it should be important to you and I that the people around us see Jesus in us. That's what I mean. You're living for Christ. And so it's important that you live for him. You're not living to be an eye pleaser or a man pleaser. Hello, somebody. You are living to bring glory and honor to him. And so it's important that we daily are growing in this grace, that we are daily moving forward in our relationship. The Christian, now listen to this, the Christian who is not making forward progress, hear me, is slowly slipping backwards. Hear me. There's no such thing as I'm just chilling. Ain't no just chilling Christians. You heard me? 
There's no such thing as I, I'm just, no, you, you, you just here. And you know what happens? Here's what happens. You see, when you have those chilling Christians, right, the ones that are just there, they've, they've arrived at a certain place, and they're just okay. You know what suddenly starts to happen? They become comfortable. I'm good. I'm all right. You know, you're not really doing anything wrong. Hello, somebody. You know, you know you're, 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 you're just chilling, right? You, you, you're just in that place where you feel good about everything. Not a good place to be. Why? Because if you stay there, what will happen is slowly, you, and, see, and, and see, it's real slow. You see, people think backsliding is like, you know, you walked outside and it was wet and you just fell and busted your behind. That ain't it, man. Hello. You need, you need, you need to understand this. That, 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 that's not what backsliding is. It isn't like, oops, I slipped. No, 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 no. It is a process that takes place. And you know when it begins? It begins when you and I stop moving forward. It begins when you and I stop moving forward, stop moving forward in God, stop moving forward with God. When that begins to happen, we become stagnant, and then suddenly, here's what happens. you got to realize something. I remember a long, long time ago, I heard a message, and John Bevere was giving an explanation. He said this, and it, it, was, it was like when I first, probably like the first year of me being a Christian, he was preaching on lukewarm Christianity. And what he said was this. He says, you know, we are like in a boat, in a rowboat, and we're going against the current. So here's what happens. We are going against the current as Christians because we're going against everything that society says is cool. And so we're row, row, row my boat. Hello, somebody, right? So that, 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 that's what we're doing. So we're rowing away and moving towards Christ, you know, focused on Christ. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And we're moving toward him. And all of a sudden, you know, we get tired because it happens to all of us. We become weary. You know what we do? Well, you know what? I've been pumping away. Hello, somebody. I've been moving in this direction, so I'm going to just chill out for a little while. What's going to happen when you chill out for a little while? Well, depending on how fast you're going and how fast that current is, hello, you may feel like, well, I'm still moving forward. But slowly, what will begin to happen is you're going to stop movement, and then you will start moving backwards because you are living in a culture that they don't stop moving in their direction. Hello, church. The enemy is continuously providing opportunities for sin. The world system is continually providing opportunities for your flesh to be comfortable. And so it is always going to be easier to go with the flow. And so we as Christians pushing against the current, when we decide that we are going to just chill out and we're going to stop seeking God so much, we're going to stop pursuing God. When we decide that, what ends up happening is we slowly start sliding backwards. And this is what the Apostle Paul was concerned about. See, here's the thing is that we need to learn how to be still and know that God is God, but being still in God doesn't mean you don't move forward. You can't know God if you're not moving forward with him. Hello, somebody. You can't know him if you're not growing in him. It doesn't mean just to stand. No, it means to move forward in him. Don't move to the left or to the right. Don't try to figure it out on yourself. Continue to walk with him by faith. That's what it means to be still and know that he's God. And so it's important for us to ensure that we are growing in our walk with Christ. In this particular portion of scripture that we are looking at here, we see here in verse 6, which is the, which is the, the verse that I'm going to focus on today. And the apostle Paul says this. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We're talking about Christian living. And so it is walking in him that we want to talk about. And the title of the message today is walk-ins are welcomed. So you may not know this, but I used to have hair, glory to God, hallelujah. And I used to take a lot of pride in it. It was, it was nice back then, glory to God. And it's still nice, just not enough of it for me to keep it. So anyway, 
What used to happen, you know, when I first, I, I was real picky, you know, about, about getting a haircut. And so, I, you know, you, you, you know how it is, you know, you find that right person, that one person that, no offense to anybody else, everybody else is great, barbers and all that good stuff, we're not discrediting anyone, but there's just someone who knew how to mess with your head correctly. Hello, somebody, that's it. It's just someone who, who understood your shape of your face and all that good stuff. They, they just understood you, right? And so they, they and, and you know, in my case, there's someone who knew how to do a fade without lines. Hello, somebody. Then there's other folks. Anyway, I won't talk about that. But but so the reality was, it was hard for me to find a barber. And you know, the, the thing is this: there's some barber shops that you walk into, and you can sit down and you just sit out there in this, you know, in, in, in the waiting area, and whoever's next, they call you next. I would never do that stuff. I because you know what, you didn't know what you was getting when you sat down in that barber's chair. You because they could have cut someone else's hair good and then just messed up on you. There's no relationship there. There's no trust, right? Amen. So what did you do? What you would do is, I, and I know me, at, at the, my first, my, well, my second barber up here, you know, he was this one guy. I won't say his name because you know I don't give any discredit. But anyway, he when uh, the first time I went and sat down in his in his chair, I mean, I walked in there. There was nobody in there, and I knew I was looking for this person. So I walked into the barbershop. They said, this barber, you know, he's right over here. I went over there to the barbershop, walked up. You know, I, I saw he was the youngest guy in the place. So I was like, that must be him, right? Because they said he's a young guy. And I said, all right. So I walk up. I'm like, hey, man, are you so-and-so? He's like, yeah. And I said, you know, can you give me a fade? He's like, sure. So, man, this guy, my goodness, glory to God. I'm, I'm, I'm a, no, no, no. He, listen, he took his time. I felt like I was, like, in, in some, like, movie or something. He was like, he, he, he faded me up. Then he took the razor. And he was like, let me bring that. And he was fading me with the razor I'd never experienced. I was like, wow. This is the man right here. And so, you know, I, so that first experience with him was like got me hooked, you know, because he took all of his time. So, you know, I probably stood like that for the next, you know, couple of months. But what I did was he was like, get, let me get your number. So you get my number so that way you can call and make an appointment because today I just wasn't busy. But normally you'll come up in here. And well, anyway, what ended up happening was, you know, we and, and this happened for a long time for a lot of people. And um, I, I remember this. This this was crazy. But anyway, anyhow. I went in there after a few months, and he moved to a different barbershop, and he goes to this new barbershop. We walk in there, and, you know, and I'm like, man, I need to get a haircut, and I got to go, because like I said, I don't like to waste time. Hello, somebody, right? So if I made an appointment at 1 o'clock, I want to get in the seat at 1 o'clock. Amen? I'll give you 15 minutes, you know, whatever, go on ahead and work your thing out. You might have been running a little late, but don't get me up in there at 2 o'clock if I got an appointment at 1 o'clock. Hello. But anyway, 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 anyway. <laughs> the situation was that on the outside, it said walk-ins are welcome. But can I tell you something? Walk-ins will walk up in there, and they were sitting for a long time waiting for someone to be done because guess what? Everybody else had an appointment, and they were waiting. And so, you know, they had to go on ahead and try to fit a walk-in here. And then, you know, you got people that get upset. And then, you know, it, it, you, you know how it is out there. Some be like, look, bro, I need a haircut right now. I'll give you $20 to do this right here. Just let's go. There's $20 on top of what I was going to pay you. You know, they'd be like, hold up, bro. You're going to have to sit right there wait right there. <laughs> so, anyway, I would never do that because it, it wasn't that precious to me. But any, anyhow, the fact of the matter is there was, there was a process that was in in place. You got an appointment and you got in there and you knew that you, you, you had an appointment and you were going to be able to get a haircut and get whatever needed to be done to you and that was an awesome thing to have. And can I tell you something, church? You and I have a stand in appointment with God all the time. Did you hear me? You and I don't have to call him up and say, hey, I'm going to be. No, no, he said, I'm waiting on you. Hello. I'm waiting on you because I want to work some things out in you. I want to deal with you. I want to love you like you've never been loved. I want to deal with you like you've never been dealt with. I want to lead you like you've never been led. I want to fill you like you've never been filled. You and I have an open appointment. It is a standing appointment with Almighty God so we don't have to wait in line. Hello, somebody. 
We can get directly connected to him whenever it is that we are in desperate need of him. And that's what God wants us to understand. But not just our needs are what we need to focus on. We need to focus on what he is communicating to us in his word. And he is telling us to walk in him. Walk in him. As a Christian, we're supposed to walk in him. And I want to say this. As you and I begin to walk in Christ and we continue to walk in Christ, we will stop walking away from life. As you and I continue to walk in Christ, we will stop walking away from life. Now, what do I mean by this? What I mean is, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. And he, was, and he has a friend of his who's a, who's a preacher as well. And he was saying that he was talking to, you know, they were having a conversation about a conference he was speaking at. And when he was speaking in this conference, he said, you know, there's a whole lot of people, especially in the church, that they have this misconception. And the misconception is that if they change their environment, everything's going to get better. If I leave here and go here, it's going to get better. Right? If I leave this job here and I get this other job, it's going to get better. If I leave this neighborhood here and move over here, it's going to get better. If I leave, and I put it like this, if I leave this church here and move over here, it's going to get better. If I leave the United States of America and go overseas to missions, it's going to get better. This is the mindset that people have. Here is the reality. And let me say this. I want to be balanced here. There are some situations when you leave them, it's going to get better. Bottom line, if you live in a neighborhood where people break it into your car, break it into your house, and you move out, it's going to get better from that perspective. Hello, somebody. There's just certain things you can't do. I understand that. If you're in a place where you're being abused by your boss, whatever the case, and you, and you move from that, the situation is going to get better. I'm not saying that it's not going to happen. What I am saying is that not every situation that you want to move from, you need to move from. This is why prayer becomes so important. But here is why that's not the reality, because here's the deal. It is that when you leave wherever, guess who went with you? You. Did you hear me? You see, you can leave wherever you want to go, but you can't leave you behind. You can move to Alaska. Guess who's coming with you? You. You are still going to be with you. And guess what you're going to have to deal with? Those situations, you're going to have to deal with them. So what does that tell us? Before we start trying to move in the natural, you know, physically, before we try to change zip codes, why don't we get a change of heart? Because there's a whole lot of stuff that would change if we would change. And you know what I found? What I found is that a whole lot of times we're trying to run from stuff and we don't realize we're running from me. We're running from I. We're running from who I am. And you got, and, and, and this is what Christ or what the Apostle Paul is communicating to people. He's saying, listen, he's saying you, the same way that you receive Christ, walk in him. Wherever you go, walk in him. In other words, don't let the atmosphere dictate who you are. You change the atmosphere. Let yourself, let your heart, let your life, let your mindset, let your way of being and thinking be changed and conform to the ways of Christ. Because when you change, a whole lot of time you start to realize, wait a second, this wasn't that bad anyway. Hello. Hmm. First thing I would like for you to repeat after me is say this. Walking is impossible without the first step. 
When you look at the Apostle Paul, right, and I, I want us to read, read it from verse 1, and we're going to walk, walk ourselves down to verse 6. He says, For I want you to know what great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. It is awesome because our God is communicating here that everything you're looking for is found in Christ. All treasure, that means all, all, everything that you're needing, everything you're looking for is found in Christ. And the Apostle Paul is saying he has a heart broken burden over the church because these people haven't seen him. There's people there that haven't met him. They haven't heard him preach. They've read letters that he's written, and that's about it. But he has a burden for them, and he is crying out to God for them. He's praying, God, let them know you. Let them be knit together in love. Let them walk in the full revelation and the full assurance of who you are. Let them know these things. He communicates this and he says now this I say lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words the apostle Paul had such a great burden because it is not just that these people would know him but that these people would not be deceived into walking away from him he's a difference because he wasn't just burdened he's because it's one thing to be burdened that God would show somebody something it's a whole nother thing to realize that there are others who are coming in trying to deceive there are others who are coming in trying to communicate false teaching who are speaking things that are not truth whenever we're going through situations in our life we have to realize that there are certain voices and it can be friends it can be um, people that we love it can be family members it can be just strangers that come up into our life I think I told you the story one day that I was working at a gas station and I was standing outside cleaning up you know out there and as I was cleaning up in this gas station the um the, the, a van pulled up and this lady rolled down her window and she said listen why don't you come and get a reading and I'm like a reading what is a reading hello and so she she's like why don't you come over here to palm whatever the place was I don't know what it was some place where they read you know palms and all this kind of craziness and she said because I see you are at a crossroad in your life And then, and then I, I was really at a crossroad because that was when my wife and I were first, you know, she was trying to reject God, glory to God. She, she, was, she, 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 was, she, was, she was wrestling with the Lord, and I was like, I'm really at a crossroad because, you know, hello. No, I'm just, I was, no seriously, all, all jokes aside, it, it, it was true. I, we, we were going. And when this person pulled up, if I didn't know God, you know what I would have done? I would have said, can I get a card so I can get to your address? Can I go there? Can I follow you right now? I'm going to leave this job so I can get a revelation. Why? Because everybody, every, everybody that's sitting in here wants some answers. Does, does anybody want some answers? Does anybody need God to answer some stuff in their life? I mean, everybody may not be going through something hard. And do, I mean, that was a situation that was an emotional thing. It wasn't like I was over here living on the streets or something like that. That wasn't the case. I was going through something that was difficult to somebody else. You know, Pastor Rob was laughing at me, glory to God. He loved me, but he was praying for me. He was like, man, this guy needs to chill out, glory to God. He's obsessed, you know. Anyway, you know, hey, wh whatever, you know, but, but it's all good. He's my best friend. He could be like that. It's okay. So anyway, the the, the reality was that I was going through something that was heavy on my heart and I needed some answers and so with that I was going through a difficult situation for me and if I was not in Christ if I did not know him I would have been running after all kind of different answers for what so that way I could get a revelation to know what to do and to fix this situation and so we've got to realize that there are voices that come to communicate no matter what we are going through. No matter, it doesn't matter where they came from. We've got to make sure that those voices are pointing us back to who? The one that has all the treasure. 
The one that has all the wisdom and has all the knowledge. The one that has every answer that we need. And so he, he, he's communicating that he doesn't want these people to be perceived or deceived. In verse 5, he says, for though I am absent in the flesh... Obviously, he's writing them a letter. He's not there. Yet I am with you in spirit. In other words, he's not saying, I want you to know, he's not saying that he's like standing there, you know, hovering around in the spirit. That's not what he's saying, okay? He's, he, that's not what he's communicating. He is simply saying, man, my heart is with you. He's saying my spirit is with you. My prayers are with you. I am interceding with you. I'm there with you. And he's, and, and, and he's there to do what? He's there to rejoice. He's rejoicing to see their good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So he's with with them in spirit. He's burdened. He doesn't want them to be deceived. And his desire is to see their order, to see them lined up with Christ. That's what that word is. It's military terms here. And he's saying, I'm, I wanna, I'm, I'm rejoicing to see because when I come to you, I want to see that you guys are in order. I want to see that you guys are aligned with Christ, but not just aligned, but steadfast, which means that we're not just lined up, but we're ready to fight for this faith. Hello, somebody. And I'm talking about physical fighting. He's talking about really living this thing out. He's saying, I'm rejoicing to see this. And then he goes on and he says in verse 6, which is where we want to start. He says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now, I know we want to jump to the walking part, but we need to look at the receiving part. Because you got to take the first step before you can walk. Many of us have seen our children, you know, or nieces, nephews, someone, brothers, sisters. And we know that they were crawling around looking crazy, right? You know, looking cute and all that good stuff. And then, you know, they started walking around a coffee table if there was one there or a couch. You know, and you start, you know, parents want to, you know, push them to walk. And then, you know, when they start running, they're like, slow down, slow down. Hello, somebody. You know, parents grabbing arms, you know, holding them by the hands, picking them up, you know, and all that good stuff, trying to help them to walk, right? But that child is not going to walk on his own until what? He or she takes that first step. The first step, you got that first step is important, and every other step continues on that way. Obviously, you know, as they grow, they continue to get more coordinated. But the first step, you won't walk until you take the first step. So what's the first step here? The first step is receiving Christ. It says, just as you have received, just as you have received Christ. So here's the question, the most important question for everybody sitting in this place. Have I received Christ, or am I creating my own Christ? Have I received Christ, or am I creating my own Christ? Have I received the testimony of the scriptures? Have I received the testimonies that are given by the inspiration of God Almighty that communicate who Jesus is? That Jesus is Emmanuel. Who is that? God with us. That Jesus is the perfect God-man. That, that, that is what it is. That Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. That he came down to this earth, lived the perfect life, and that he died for what? Because he just wanted to die? No, because we needed him to die for us. Hello. Have I created a Jesus of my own? Have I created a Christ of my own? Or have I received this Christ that died for us and he resurrected? So this Christ, according to the scriptures, the one that we're supposed to receive, lived, he came, he was born of a virgin. He came, he lived a perfect sinless life. After he lived that sinless life, then he went and he, 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 he was crucified on a cross. Crucified not just because he wanted to go through something or to prove a point, because he wanted to demonstrate his love. Not just that, but he was showing that we needed salvation because we could not save ourselves hello and not only did he die in our place but then he also resurrects ascending into heaven so what does he demonstrate he demonstrates that he is the king of kings and the lord of lords so the question is have you created your own christ you know a christ that can save you but one you don't have to listen to 
A Christ that gives you all the benefits of entering into heaven, but doesn't require you to do anything. That's not the true Christ, church. A Christ that died in your place so that way you would be able to escape the wrath of God by his blood, but doesn't require you to live a life to glorify him. That's not the Christ. So just as you receive Christ, walk in him. Just as you have understood what has been taught to you, walk in him, move in him. What does it mean to walk in him? Jesus Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Therefore, he must be the Lord. He must be the leader. He must be the head of our lives. Our walk demonstrates who the Lord of our life is. The way that we walk demonstrates who the Lord of our life is. When you look up this word walk, it means to make one's way. So he's saying, make your way in Christ. So everything you do needs to align with him. Everything you do needs to align with his ways. It means to make progress or to, or, or to move forward. And so what is he saying? Everything you do moving forward in life, moving forward in the, work fi- in, in the workforce, moving forward in school, moving forward in marriage, moving forward in family, moving forward in finances, all of those things, do them in Christ. In other words, everything you're doing needs to bring glory to Christ. Amen? So we have this understanding that it means to make progress. It means to make due use of opportunities. I love that one right there. Make due use of opportunities. How many doors do you think Jesus has opened for you and you may have not even realized? How many opportunities have been right before you and because you were not walking in him, you could not make due use of the opportunities? Because you were not. See, here's the thing is that we've got to learn. And and I remember preaching this to the youth, and I know that I've said this before. But we have got to learn to allow God to mold us right where we are so that way where he is taking us will be prepared when we get there. Because if we are not prepared when we get there, we cannot take full opportunity of those opportunities. We cannot take full. we, We cannot experience the full benefit of the opportunities. Why? Because we're not ready. Mm hmm. Make due use. In the Hebrew, when they look at this word to walk, it means to live. Another, another part of the definition is to regulate your life. Who is regulating your life? Who's regulating your life? Who is, who is putting, let, 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 let's say it like it is, who is putting limitations and saying, nope, that's not for you. Nope, you can't. Who's doing that? See, because when we were younger, I say we for us older people, hallelujah. I didn't say old, I said older, glory to God. We had our parents in our lives at one time, and they were regulating, hallelujah. We call it child abuse today, but it was regulating back then. Amen, somebody. They were regulating us, hallelujah. That's, that's, they were, whoa, 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 slow that down, child. Mm-hmm. I'm going to beat that foolishness out of you. Don't worry, you're going to be all right. Hallelujah, right? And then you know what happened? You know what happened? Here's what happened. I can't wait till I'm 18 because I'm tired of being regulated. You didn't say that, but that's what you meant. I want to go and live free. Then you realize that, yeah, you think you're free. Hello, somebody. Now you got more responsibility. And guess what? Ain't no one. They'll come put an eviction notice on your door. They ain't coming to say, hey, you need to go ahead and do none of that stuff. Ain't nobody babying you. Can, can, I, can I be re-regulated? Re-regulated. I don't even know. That's, that's another word. I know. Anyway, glory to God. Hallelujah. Re-regulated. Re-regulated. I want to be re-regulated. See, I repeat it now because I want them to get it because I want to laugh, you know, when we do when they do the whole thing. But anyway. <laughs> 
means to regulate. So, so who's regulating your life? Older folk. Who, who is re- Your husband? Your wife? Who's regulating your life? Who is regulating the decisions you make? It should be Christ. You should be walking with him and he should be regulating your life. It means to conduct oneself, to conduct yourself in a manner. He says earlier in this epistle, to live worthy of Christ, to live worthy of that calling. It means to pass one's life. And so he says that as we have received him, we took that first step. Now we are to walk in him. Now continuing on, please repeat this after me. Every step we take in Christ should be like the first one. The first step was what? It was a step of faith. You heard the word of God. You realized that you needed him in your life, however it was, and guess what? You responded, and you began to walk with him. And now every step after that should be the same way, a step of faith, walking in him. And so a faithful, firm, and fluent walk in Christ is the product of us being rooted, built up, established, and overflowing with thanksgiving. Continuing on to read here in verse 7. He's, oh, in verse 6, let me just read it because it reads better. It says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So he says here, walk in him, and this is how you walk in him. You walk in him by, number one, being rooted. So the first thing we got to do is we got to be rooted in him. So this, this is now, now remember, we're talking about Christian living. And so this is a good time for us to reflect and say, okay, am I rooted in him? What does the word rooted mean? It means to cause to strike the root, to strengthen with roots, to render firm, to fix, to establish, to cause a person or a thing to be thoroughly grounded. Listen to this. It means to become strengthened with the focus upon the source of such strength. It's the focus on the source. When you're talking on, on the source, when you're talking about being rooted, you're talking about the source. When you look at plants, I remember being in, in I believe in like middle school, elementary school, somewhere, and I and I remember they were teaching on the way that you know plants eat. Right? You know, because as a kid, you think I'm just gonna pour the water on top of the plant and the leaves are gonna suck it up or something like that, right? That, that's what you think. It, it doesn't happen that way. You notice it's rolling off or whatever the case is. And what do they say? Well, they say the water goes down into the ground, right? And then the roots absorb it. And then, the, and then, and then what ends up happening is this plant is neutrified. Hello. Uh, did I make up another one? Whatever, whatever. You know what? I'm two for two today. Glory to God. I'm loving it. Neutrified. I like that one, though. That, one, that one's good. I like that one. I'm going to check that one. Don't nobody check. Turn your phones off, all right? No checking right now. We'll go later on. I'll send you an email tomorrow to let you know if it's a word or not. Shh. Hold on, hold on. We got living dictionaries in here. All right, glory to God. Listen, listen. <laughs> we have, <laughs> the, the plant receives its nutrients, okay? I'm going to say it like that. I, see, look, I don't want to say that because these guys, they like nacho all day. But anyway. So, so any, anyway, okay, so that's the way the plant feeds, okay? That's the way the plant eats. It's through the roots. So if the roots are bad, then what happens? The plant is going to die, bottom line. We know that Jesus said that, that, when, that those who hear his word are like those who do what? Are, lo- are like those who lay their foundation on the rock. Now, here's what's something that's very important for us to understand here. And we got to get this because we miss this. We talk about foundation. And we understand foundation's got to be strong and solid, and we think about all of the, you know, the laying down of this, of, of this cement on the floor and all of that stuff. But what we're not paying attention to is where that foundation is laid. 
See, because it's not just about the foundation itself. It's where the foundation is laid. The foundation has to be laid upon the bedrock. It's got to be laid upon the solid surface that is going to be able to support that foundation. And so here's what happens. We come to church, we get all kind of head knowledge, all kind of good foundational stuff. But the question is, where is it going? Is it coming right here? Maybe it's, it might, might, might be touching your heart, but is it entering into your spirit? Is it entering into the, to that place that is where, where, where God is dwelling? Is it coming into your spirit and making you be that person who is not shaken by whatever? See, because here's the thing. You have plenty of folks that they know what the scriptures say or they think they know what the scriptures say. They've been in church all their lives, and yet they are missing that solidity that only comes from the root system being connected to Christ. He is the vine. He is the root. And therefore, we've got to make sure that our total dependence and source comes out of him. That's what has to happen. So he says, you got to, if you're going to walk in him, you've got to be rooted in him. The next thing he says is he says, you've got to be built up in him. So you need to be rooted. So the question is, are you rooted? Is the word of God taking root in your life? Is the word of God not just entering in and making you understand, yeah, that's right. No, but is it doing something that is transforming you? Because if it is not, when situations arise, guess what? You begin to waver in your faith. And we're going to get to what really happens when your root system is messed up. But anyway, you can try to build. Because look, look, look at this. If you don't have have the proper foundation under your foundation, hello, if your foundation is not corrected, you can build as high and as beautiful as you like. And when the winds really come and when the hardship really comes, and guess what happens? That thing is going to fall over. If you don't have the right foundation, you know what happens? Your house starts sinking. You start sinkholes. Hello. This, this is what occurs when you don't have that under your foundation, when you don't have the right connection. If you don't have that, you're not going to have what you need in order to build up. So when he says build up, now when he says the word rooted, the word rooted means that you have been rooted because you get rooted one time in Christ. Hello, somebody. Listen to me. You, you, when I say one time, understand what I'm saying. When you come to know him, that's when the root system begins. When you are born again. That is when the root system begins. It is there that it happens, and it is up to us to continue to walk in that. But then he says we got to continue to build because he doesn't, he doesn't just want us to have good roots. He wants us to grow up, not just down. Hello. He wants us to flourish in him. And so obviously what he says is he says you must be built up. When he talks about building up, it means this. It means to finish the structure of which, of which the foundation has already been laid, to give constant increase in Christian knowledge and in a life conformed thereto. And so in other words, what's supposed to happen is we're supposed to be rooted in Christ, rooted in his truth, rooted in his word, and then we should be growing up into him. Our life should be conforming to him. That's how we build, church. Our life conforming to his ways, our life conforming to his mindset, our life conforming to his will and to his purposes. So we've got to be built up in order for us to continue walking. Again, this goes back to the initial statement that a Christian who is just chilling, a Christian who is just relaxing, inevitably you will slowly start slipping backwards and you are no longer building up and you will just have something halfway built, looks almost built, and before you know it, it corrodes and it becomes corrupt and it goes to nothing. Because of what? Because you did not make 
maintain the continual moving forward, which would inevitably cause you to be building up. The next thing he says is that you must be established in the faith. And I like this word established because it is really confirmed in the faith. And so what you are continually doing, you and I are continually doing, that as we are living in that connection with Christ through that root system that we have, as we are continuing to grow and gaining not just head knowledge, but living out what God is communicating, then there is something else. We're established in our faith. We begin to understand him more, and we are confirming. Remember what I said. You're not living for others, but others are seeing the confirmation that you truly are a child of God. Hello. That you truly are born again. That you truly are walking in the newness of life that Christ has placed in you. And so we're growing. This word established means to increase in inner strength by the implication of greater firmness of character or attitude. And so what we've got to have is as we're growing in our faith, what, is, what, what, is, what should be occurring is that our character is changing. So what happens when our character changes? Well, all of a sudden our conversations change, church. As our character begins to grow, our conversation, our communication, our outlook begins to change. Because of what? Because we're rooted. Because we're growing. We're being built up. But our character, our faith is growing. So now, as we grow, we become more mature, and we begin to demonstrate that. And the last thing, and this is the greatest area of attack, he says, abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. Now, look at this. Rooted, verse 7. And built up in him, established in the faith, as you have been taught. You've been taught by Epaphras. You've been taught by the teachers that have been teaching the truth. Abounding in it, abounding in this teaching, with thanksgiving. Now, why does he not? Now, now, now I want you to go back with me for a moment. Remember what I said the apostle was concerned about. He was concerned about deception. He was concerned about people being deceived. He was concerned about people being led astray. Can I ask you a question? Just think about it for a moment. When do you think most people are the most vulnerable? To deception. It's in those moments that they are the weakest in their faith. It is in those moments that they are stuck at a place where they are asking God, why? Why me? Why this situation? Now, can I tell you something? The key that he's given here, it's like the sealer. It's, it's like the sealer on this whole thing. He's saying abounding in thanksgiving. He didn't say just a little bit of thanksgiving. He didn't say giving, giving thanks once in a while. He said abounding in thanksgiving. Abounding in thanksgiving. The word abounding, it gives us a picture of riverbanks that are overflowing during the rainy season. And he's saying at all times. Now, you got to remember, when the, when the Apostle Paul is writing to these churches, he is writing to churches that are going through some difficulties. He is writing churches that are going through persecution for their faith. He is writing churches that are going through some tough circumstances. He's not writing to people, and, 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 I, and I'm not belittling this situation. He is not writing to people that are having issues paying a bill. That's not who he's writing to. That is a big issue. But what I'm saying to you, he's writing to people that are about to lose their lives because of their faith. He's writing to people that are going through all this hardship, and you know what they're holding on to? They're holding on to one thing. Jesus is coming back. Hear me. Hear me, church. And so he's writing to these people, and he's telling them, rooted, built up, established in the faith, and abounding with thanksgiving. 
abounding with thanksgiving. Because this is what happens. When you are a person who is abounding with thanksgiving, those moments, because we are all going to go through them, church, those moments when we are going through those low times, those moments when we're having difficulties, paying bills, those moments when we're having issues in our marriage, those moments when we're having trouble with our children, those moments where we're not understanding our parents, those moments that our boss is driving us crazy, those moments that we are dealing with frustration over frustration and we are going through all of these things, those moments, we're all going to go through those moments, but the question is, what is going to abound in you? Is it going to be thanksgiving or is it going to be doubt? Is it going to be thanksgiving or is it going to be fear? Is it going to be thanksgiving or is it going to be a, a discouragement that is binding your life? What is it that is going to bind you? Because the reality is that when you are giving thanks, look, the enemy has an issue when you're giving thanks. You know why? Because he can't get all up in your head. Hello, somebody. Because he cannot discourage you. He cannot frustrate you. He cannot overwhelm you. He cannot bring deception to your life because no matter what I'm facing, guess what? I am abounding with thanksgiving. I am abounding with praise. I am abounding with glory and honor to God. Therefore, I am continuously able to encourage myself in the Lord. When no one else wants to encourage me, I'm able to encourage myself because what? Because I'm rooted, because I'm built up, because I'm established in the faith. Therefore, I'm overflowing with what? With thanksgiving. See, and that is what seals the deal, church, because I'm a person who no matter what I'm lacking, the apostle Paul said, he, know, he said, I know what it's like to abound, and I know what it's like to be in want. I know what it's like to have a lot and to have nothing, and I have learned to be content in Christ. See, he communicates to Timothy, he says, look, he says, godliness with contentment is great gain, great gain. We're trying to gain all kind of other stuff. We need to learn contentment in him. We need to learn to embrace who he is and embrace who he declares he is no matter what we're facing. Because when we do that, then we're able to give that thanks. Then we're able to abound in the thanksgiving that is able to bring deliverance to our lives. Our walk, church, is the key to overcoming deception. Remember, the plan of the enemy is to do what? He wants to deceive you. He wants to make you and I think that, you know what, we missed something. He wants to make us think that we don't need to live holy like that. He wants to make us think that we don't need to serve God with all of our, he wants to make us think those things. Because what? He just wants to bring deception to our lives and hinder us from doing what? From walking with God unto eternity. He doesn't, see, the, the, the enemy is concerned with you starting, but he's more concerned with you finishing. Oh, he don't want you to start. He wants to distract you all day long. But once you've started, he can't distract you. He wants to deceive you. So that way you will stop walking with God. You'll stop walking according to his plans. You'll stop living according to his purposes in your life. Number three, please repeat this after me. Walking in Christ will lead us into the fullness of Christ. Continue reading on with me. He says here in verse 8, he says, beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. He says, beware. He says, look, pay attention. He says, you need to be on guard against these things. When that word, you look at that word cheat there, it literally means to carry away captive. He says, don't let anybody deceive you. And look what he says. I, 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 lo I love this word here. It's the word philosophy. 
philosophy. When you look at the word philosophy in the Greek, it is the word philosophia. It looks like philosophy. You just take the Y off and you add an IA. And it's two words together. It is the word Sophia, which is the word wisdom, and it is the first word, which is philo, where we get, um, you know, where we get phileo, which means brotherly love. So what he's saying is, he says, don't let anybody deceive you with their love of wisdom. You know those deep folks. Those spiritual but not religious folks. You know them, right? You deal with them. I was praying. I was praying today, and 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 I had to use a quote. Brother Lewis, he sent me an article. Um, I think it was yesterday or sometime, and I read it, and it was talking about that. He was talking about the people, you know, nowadays that they're spiritual, not religious, and they had something in there. It's like Burger King spirituality. Have it your way. You just, you know, pick up a little bit from the Buddhist there, from the Taoist here, pick up a little bit from Christianity there, pick up a little bit from Islam there. It's all going to be good. You just have it your way. Just mix it all in. It's going to be all right. Church, that's deception. Those are lies. And these people are excited. You know, they're, 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 they're deep. They love wisdom. They just love to express how intelligent they are, how, 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 how illuminated. They're illuminated people. Enlightened. Mm -mm. It says, beware of that deception. Because the thing is that, you know, they're not, they're, and see, this, this, is, this, is the, this, this is the reality. Reality is, they're not trying to convert you so much. They're just saying, look, you know, just, just look at it my way. You know, just look at it. And you know what? It sounds kind of like your way. Why? Because they got a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here. So it all sounds, you know, about the same. It's just a big old mess. Hello? Beware of that deception. Beware of those things. Look at what is before you. Look at what is being communicated because it is empty deceit. He says traditions of man. He said, you know, we get caught up in our traditions and we forget. Jesus said it like this. He said, we get caught up. You get caught up in the tradition. He said, you are nullifying the word of God by your tradition. Bottom line, making the word of God of no effect because of your traditions. So don't be deceived by the traditions of men. In other words, for the Christian, read your Bible. Check out what God communicates according to the basic principles of this world and not according to Christ. Now here, I want you to notice this because when he talks about the basic principles of this world, he's talking in, and he's dealing with the, the Greek thought. And in those days, you know, they believed in a whole bunch of different deities. And so you didn't just have one God that you went to for everything. You know, you went to one God about the weather. You went to one God about fertility. You went to another God about this. And you know, every issue you had had a different God. Crazy. Go to a whole bunch of different gods and all of this, you know, and, 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 and you, you need to fix this Well, you go to that one over there. You need to figure this. So what he says is those are the basic principles of this world. He said, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 9. This is where it's awesome. He says, for in him, Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What he was saying is he went, he went totally against everything that they had been communicating, everything that they had learned throughout their whole, you know, Greek bringing, being brought up under that culture and that mindset. He was saying, look, you don't need to go to all different kinds of gods. There is one true God, and it is Christ. And the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily, period. The fullness is there. The fullness is there. But the beauty of this and the exciting part for us as Christians is he says this in verse 10. He says, and you are complete in him. The fullness dwells in Christ, and you are complete in him. You're complete. When did you become complete? 
Was it after you were a Christian for six months? Was it after you went through the mentoring program of faith Zone? then you were complete? When is it that you as a Christian become complete? It is the day you are born again. Oh, somebody should have got excited. It is the day that Jesus Christ enters into your life because by faith, you know what happens? The fullness of the Godhead came to dwell inside of you. The fullness of God comes to live inside of you as a Christian. It's not about us. See, here's the thing with us is that we're busy trying to add on to our lives rather than growing in Christ. We're busy trying to pull from over here, and I have no issue. You can look in my office. i got tons of books in there. Go to my house, tons of books over there. I've read at least half of those books. And so the reality is I don't have an issue with reading books. I don't have an issue adding knowledge. But here's the reality. The reality is that we have got to learn that we are complete in him. What we've got to do is continue to grow in him. We need to continue to let the full manifestation of who he is come in and through our lives. That's the issue with us church we're trying to add we're trying to complete ourselves with other things when the bible says we're already complete the bible says we are already complete why are we complete it is because of christ because he is the head of all principality and all power and so we realize that we come from inception we're complete our progress church in christ should be a more full and clear manifestation of who is living in us true growth in christ true growth in christ comes from our intimacy with him period that is the true definition of what it means to walk in christ to walk in him when Paul was saying, just as you've received Christ, so walk in him. He was saying, listen, grow in your intimate relationship with him. Grow in that. Re- don't, don't, don't get caught up in all of those things that sound good. Don't get caught up in all of those things that have an appearance of God. No, don't get caught up in all of that. Grow in your relationship with him. Grow in your intimacy because true growth, that's where it comes from. It doesn't, listen, I, I, again, I'm not against Bible college. I'm not against any of those things. I'm not, against, I'm not against education in any way, shape, or form. But what I want you to know is that education does not make you grow. It is intimacy. You can have all of the education in the world. Hear me. You can come to church every Sunday. You can come to church every Wednesday. You can come to every mentoring class that we offer. You can come to every discipleship Bible study, and that does not guarantee that you are going to grow in him because if you do not have a personal relationship with him, you are not growing in him. You are growing in knowledge, and the Bible says that knowledge puffs up, and so you are gaining knowledge, gaining knowledge, gaining knowledge, but you are not being built up, which is what we talked about. You're built up through relationship, and that's what we have got to grasp, And that is what the Apostle Paul was communicating. He was saying, look, walk in him. Grow in him. Walk into the fullness of who he is. And the only way you can do that is by walking with him. The only way you can do that is by walking with him. By allowing him to regulate your life. By allowing him to lead your life. By allowing him to guide your life. That's the only way that we do it. And so my question is real simple. And it is, what is it in your life, in your character, that is lacking his character. What is it? I want you to think about that because that's what this is about, church. This is not about anything else. This is about us growing because I, I don't want to tell you what area of your life is lacking God because then we get confused and then we'll start looking, oh, well, you know, my finances are lacking God, okay? Well, you know, my marriage is lacking God, okay? But here's the question. Remember what I said. We can change environment. We can change people that we're around, but we can't change us. 
It is him and him alone that changes us. And so I'm a firm believer that God can turn our financial situations around, but he wants to begin with you. What's the point of turning your financial situation around if he, had, if he can't deal with your heart? If he can't bring you to the place that he wants you? What's the point of him changing your environment? What's the point of him promoting you? What's the point of him fixing your marriage if you don't want to be fixed? Fix everybody else, but you don't want to be fixed. What, 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 what is the point of that, church? God is interested in us having his character. He is interested in us not just knowing what he was supposed to be like, but living that, experiencing that. That's what it means, church, to walk with him. And so that's the question. Everybody stand to your feet and bow your heads, please. God wants us to walk in that fullness.